What's going on, good people? What's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Talk My Credo podcast. This is episode 30, the Dirty 30. Dirty 30. Podcast. Thank you guys for joining in. I'm your boy Dante Credo here with my brother from another P. Shaw, Minister Shaw's in the building. What's going on with you, bro? What's up? What's up? What's up with you, man? Uh, things are going pretty good for the most part, other than the fact that I like tried to impale my hand uh, this past weekend. So, quick story of what happened there. So, this past weekend, we was putting together a, a we did a birthday party get together for for Jaden, you know, for yeah. his second birthday. You know, he'll be he'll turn two on the twenty seventh. So, you know, we got the the immediate fam together, you know, all the presents and pizza and all this type of stuff that they like. So I was like, you know what? Let's get him some some toys and some stuff for the outside. So I got him a little playhouse type thing, put that together. And then I got him a little trampoline with the, you know, net enclosure thing so they don't go breaking their neck like we used to do, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh So I'm putting the enclosure in. There's a particular you know, bar that you have to use to, you know, kind of connect to the actual trampoline. I'm using a screwdriver to screw the screws in to, you know, fix on the trampoline. And I got distracted and, you know, wasn't paying attention to what I was doing. And I just like missed the bar that I was screwing onto the trampoline and just literally stabbed my hand. And, um, yeah, broke the skin. Pretty little uh, Phillips uh, scar on my hand right now. <laughs> and uh, everything was fine for the most part. This was Saturday. I cleaned the wound, uh, you know, bandaged it up, finished putting the, the trampoline together. Everything's cool. Kids have a good time. They love the trampoline. They love the little playhouse. They love all the presents they get because they're spoiled. Um and so everything was fine. Ate all the pizza they wanted to, all this type of stuff. So when when it was bedtime, no problems because they were tired as I don't know what. Yeah. And then the next morning I wake up and like, you know, I couldn't feel these three hands. My middle ring and pinky finger, I could not feel them, couldn't move them, couldn't do anything. So I'm like, okay, maybe there's some nerve damage here. And yeah, I would like to have the use of my fingers back. So I'm like, I'm still being lazy. I'm like, well, you know, let me just do a virtual visit and then, you know, I'll just, they'll tell me to do some remedy, dip my hand in vinegar three times mm -hmm. and then I'll be good to go. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, but I tell them what happened and what's going on now. And they're like, no, you need to get up and go somewhere right now. And I'm like, wow, is that serious? They're like, you need to go see someone right now. So uh, I go to urgent care and, you know, thankfully wasn't too long of a wait. Signed in, all that insurance stuff. Took about five minutes for them to see me. Go over it. They look at it, and they're like, you know, the main thing, make sure it's not infected. They basically, like, opened up the wound. I was like, yo, chill out. Like, you're opening up my hand right now. Um, did that little thing. Had me to basically force my fingers to move to kind of keep the blood circulating and all that type of stuff. Gave me some antibiotics. Gave me some other things to take for the pain which it wasn't like that crazy, but still annoying enough. It felt like, it felt like I jammed my fingers. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that's what it felt like. It felt like I jammed all three of my fingers and, you know, so it was swelled, it was swelled up real bad. And, but 
probably as of maybe two or three hours ago, you know, I'm, I'm about 80, 85%. You know, my movement is fine. But as you see, I got that hole right there in my hand. Like, right, I'm not trying to be like Jesus. I promise. I was not trying to be <laughs> like Jesus. <laughs> I promise. But, uh, but other than that, that was my weekend, man. How was your weekend? <laughs> well, you know, my, 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 my weekend was good. You know, I had, I had the babies, my babies, my babies was here. And, um, you know, it's always adventure when they're around. Um, you know, as I said, you know, you were talking about hospital stuff. You know, I was in the hospital with my oldest symphony and, um, all it took, you know, she went to the hospital one time because she was having bad stomach aches and headaches. Mm-hmm. And then the next day when she went back, she couldn't even walk. So as soon as they called me, I was at work and they said, hey, they talking about surgery. And I heard her crying in the background. Daddy said, hey, y'all, I got to go. I took off running out the job. I said, you yeah. know, and, th- and thankfully, I, you know, I had, um, you know, employers that understood that. because like, I don't play no games with these babies. My whole right. schedule is mapped around them. And um, when I got there, um, she started smiling. She started feeling better. Even her mom was like, she wasn't acting like this five minutes ago. I said, because she just wanted to see daddy. That's all. You know, she just wanted daddy to be here. That's all. So she basically went from feeling like trash one day to being okay the next day to the point that she said, hey, I know I was in the hospital yesterday, but I'm going to play volleyball today. We was like, what? So, uh-huh. you know, whenever we get done with this, I'll send you the pictures of, of, of your niece playing volleyball. But uh, yeah, so she felt so she felt better. So after that, you know, we just, you know, we always come up with stuff to create memories. I actually went outside and I think I put it on one of my stories. I said, hey, um, back in the hood, we, we couldn't always get to a swimming pool. We couldn't always get to the city park. But uh-huh. if somebody had a water hose, we was in there. So, yeah. you know, so we played we played backyard water football. That has never been made before, but we did it. We used to make so, up craziest games man yeah yeah <laughs> we made up some of the craziest games like uh and remember that, that like we just everything women we, we pl- used to play basketball on skates we used to have yeah, uh, on skate yeah <laughs> we used to get skates and then we'll go play basketball on skates uh it was just team, all type of stuff man. <laughs> team high go seek yeah like all yeah. across the neighborhood i mean we, all and, across the neighborhood you just can't go in the house right Right, so you can't go in there. Was the only rule you can't go in the house now. Abandoned houses was was yeah, fair. Yeah, yeah. That was free game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> abandoned houses was fair game. You just couldn't go in a living residence. And, yeah, you uh, can't go in a living residence. Yeah, yeah. And I can't, I can't recall or account the many times you know we was in that one house that was like one house. that one house that we would always go into and hide, and we diving out the window because we trying to get. We were some reckless children, man. Yeah. <laughs> we were some yeah. reckless children. But, man, man brings back so many memories. But I'm looking at the score because it's the NBA playoffs, and I, I I just cannot look at this score. Miami and Milwaukee's playing right now, and then Portland and Denver's playing later on tonight. Uh, the The date of this recording is May 24th. And as of right now, my Miami Heat is being blown out, forty-five to seventy. And I forty-five to seventy. That's first half. Yeah, it's still in the first half. There is two minutes and thirty seconds to go in the second quarter, and we are down eighty. Yeah, yeah. put up seventy points on us in the first half, and I. 
I'm not surprised because we've been struggling up and down all season. I just hope that this offseason, because I don't see us getting out of the first round, but we got a lot of space and we got a lot of flexibility to really make some moves. And we definitely need to make some moves because the East is not like how it was last year. Last year, we was able to dominate. Um, and we went under the radar, but when it was time to play in the playoffs, uh, we really we really dominated and got to the finals yeah. where we fell to the Lakers. But this year, nah, you got Brooklyn, Milwaukee's gotten better, Philly's gotten better, uh, Atlanta's no joke, uh, Boston's never been a joke. Um, so, you know, we we just we just don't have the tools to really compete right now. So hopefully they hopefully they compete, but this offseason, man. Yeah. So let me let me turn this score off before I get mad. <laughs> but uh, but speaking of speaking of which, there there is um a particular Joe Biden clip. It's about a year old, but it's making its rounds now because it's it's more of a retrospect type thing. Like, what do you think about this clip now? And this is pertaining to Joe Biden, who is now the president. He wasn't the president at the time he said this, but um he basically compared the impact of George Floyd to Martin Luther King. And this is what he had to say. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's Mm -hmm. death did. Because just like television changed the civil rights movement for the better when they saw Bull Connor's dogs ripping the clothes off of elderly black women going to church and fire hoses ripping the skin off of young kids that all those folks around the country who didn't have any black populations heard about this but didn't believe it but they saw it it was impossible to close their eyes well what george floyd happened to george floyd now you got how many people around the country millions of cell phones mm-hmm. it's changed the way everybody's looking at this look at the millions of people marching around the world the world So my point is that I think people are really realizing that this is a battle for the soul of America. Who are we? What do we want to be? And that's that's basically that. Um, He finishes it off like, you know, well, who, who do we want to be as America? What's our identity? What would we like to do? But yeah, the the topic here is is joe biden right is the impact of george floyd's death more impactful than the assassination of dr martin luther king jr well first off uh shouts to martin luther king and george floyd and his family huh but um because of martin luther king because of your Malcolm X's, is why George Floyd's death is relevant. Because of the Eric Gardner's, because of Trayvon Martin, because of everything that happened before, his was put on a bigger scale to be viewed for people to say, wow, this been going on, but now that I'm physically in it, now I know what Martin Luther King was going through. Now I knew what Malcolm X was going through. Now, now I know why the Black Panther was marching. Now I know why the civil rights people, now I know why Eric Gardner said, I can't breathe. Now I right. know why 
her um Gabby Gabby Wilson um made a song said I can't breathe that 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 won an Oscar because this is going on and they've been having a foot on our neck for a long time. Oh, so to actually see somebody with a foot on somebody's neck in the physical in the now it's like yo did he really do that? Did was it really almost nine minutes of this man speaking? I can't believe this is happening. And it was like unbelievable for people to see because you know the scales have been on so many people's eyes, you know, but was it impact more impactful than Martin Luther King? Nah, because I always tell people all the time, your leadership will always die out. All those things that you're going through, yeah, that'll leave. But your influence will always remain. Martin Luther King's influence is still here. It's still relevant to today. They still be in monuments. There's not one state that don't have a Martin Luther King drive. Right. I, I don't think I don't think they're gonna. Now we have murals. We have a wall painting with 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 George mm-hmm. Floyd. But they're not gonna put his name in a, on on a college campus. They're not gonna put his name on the college campus. They're not gonna main, name a street after him. They're not gonna name a school after him. They're not gonna, you know, and the family might have scholarships in his name. Right. But to say what he did is more impactful. What he, yeah, okay, what he did shocked the world. Yes. Because America it has is being watched more now, but not due to George Floyd. They was being watched in 2014. They were being watched in 2015. When you made Lynch Crow, they was being watched on every person name that you named on that on that track. Every yep. person that came before this is why America is being watched because people are like, yo, America's not that bad. They're not that bad. One, two, three, four, five times it happened. They're not that bad. Then they get to number 10 and George Floyd just, happen, just so happened to be number 10. It's like, exactly. yo, oh my goodness. I, 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 I mean, we heard about the other guys, but Yo, they really acting like that in America. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing about it is, people still trying to get over here. But, but no, his 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 um, life is it was tragic. It did shock the world. But was it more imp- impactful than Martin Luther King? How so? When you still got people still writing poems on Martin Luther King still to the day. Right. You still got people making movies and quoting him still to the day. Even in the midst of George Floyd, people are still referencing. Um, giving references back to Martin Luther King. I had a dream. I had a dream that this would happen, that that would happen. So because it took somebody's death, sometimes it takes sacrifices, not saying it was meant to happen, but because it took somebody's death to bring unity, that death and that unity is what he's talked about a long time ago. Exactly. You know, when John, when, when, what John Lewis marched for a long time ago. So mm-hmm. these things are happening because of Martin Luther King. It's relevant because of Martin Luther King. So I'm not saying in his perception he's wrong, but in what he said, you know, that's not accurate. Yep. That's that's basically my opinion as well. Um, because what made George Floyd George Floyd, and I, and I hate to even try to make this type of comparison, but George Floyd was the last straw. Yeah. In- you know, it wasn't necessarily him specifically. It was the fact yeah. that he had so many others that had something happen to them by the hands of agents of the state and law enforcement officers who just did something that was wrong but got off. And what happened to George Floyd was literally the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, yeah. that's not to say that the impact has not been you know, it hasn't been a big impact because I understand what Joe Biden was trying to say, 
as is, as far as well, you know, the Martin Luther King affected America, but George Floyd affected the world because it was a worldwide yeah. thing. protest, yeah. marches, and this, that, and the third. Yeah. But one thing that Dr. Martin Luther King campaign and even his death brought was changes to policy. There was yeah. changes to societal practices. There were changes to various ideologies, laws, policies, and just, you know, and, and so on that caused change that allowed us to be on the track that we are on today. Now is the fight over? Hell no. We still got a long, long way yeah. to fight. I, I can't see where George Floyd, even looking at the man. Now, uh, this is, uh, I'm not trying to take a Candace Owens approach here and be like, well, he was not a good person. La, 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 la. Like, no, it's not about that. But it was the fact that, one, you're talking about a person who was at, literally the leader of a movement, the yeah. leader of a campaign. The civil yeah. rights movement had Dr. Martin Luther King in the front where, you know, in the part where they don't talk about, they don't talk about him being arrested 26 times. They don't talk about, you know, the, the beatings and the assaults and all of these things that happened to him uh, while he was doing these things. They don't talk about how America literally hated Martin Luther King, where the FBI and the president of that time, I can't remember the name, but they considered Martin Luther King the most dangerous Negro in America. Like they, they, they don't talk about that stuff. They don't talk about how America or white America celebrated uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination. They don't talk yeah. about how he really was assassinated. It, he didn't die from that shot on the roof. He died because police officers and mafia members and doctors suffocated him, spit on him, beat him, suffocated him while he was trying to recover from the gunshot wound. You know, yeah. so his impact is monumentally. I don't yeah. even know if that's a word, but monumentally bigger and more impactful to yeah. to the death of George Floyd. And so I was like, I don't understand yet. Yeah, more eyes were on it, but let's just let's just be honest. George Floyd, of course, you know the the protests. You have to include the riots and, and things of that nature because even when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, there were protests, there yeah. were riots. You're right. But the thing that they got was changes to policy. We just went over maybe a week ago, maybe a couple weeks ago, the 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 verdict of Derek Chauvin, the the officer that killed George Floyd. Yeah. He was guilty on all charges, but at at the day of that verdict, we listed four or five things that continued to happen as if George Floyd never occurred. Yeah, you know, as if George Floyd was alive and well, walking down the street and somewhere, you know, mm -hmm. and like, like it, like it, things haven't changed. Policy hasn't changed. People aren't accepting what people want to happen, and it's understandably so because it's being spearheaded by a movement, Black Lives Matter Incorporated, that even black people do not trust because the changes that they've been able to make. We only see from the owner's perspective because they're in brand new million dollar houses now. Yeah. That's the only thing we've been able to see. There's been a hundred million dollars, and we talk about this all the time. 
there was a hundred million dollars that was raised to this campaign. And we don't see that in any black community at all. We see it in yeah. white communities when y'all bought up those million dollar houses. We we, yeah. we hear about the houses and resorts you're trying to buy it in the Bahamas. Like we don't see the change. We don't actually see the impact. The only impact that really has started is conversation. <laughs> Stuff the conversation that was sparked by Dr. Martin Luther King. So I, I just I don't see I don't see it. And and honestly, I was offended then and I'm honestly offended now. Because you know, it yeah. was I understood them trying to bring up, okay, well, what about now? How do you feel about this take now? It's like, no, it's it's still a very stupid take. And this is the very person who said, if you vote for Trump and, and over me, then you ain't black. This is the same one that sat down with civil rights leader and said, no, y'all sit y'all asses down. I get to y'all when I'm ready to. And then proceed to make rights for the, the transgender community, to, to make a reparations-esque fund and bill for uh, Asian Americans and, and Pacific Islanders, to make laws, hate crimes laws against, you know, for them, to protect them. Give give reparations and uh to farmers. Now black farmers were were included, but you know mainly to uh, Native Americans and this. Stuff. So you see, he doing all these things. So he told the civil rights leaders for the black community, no, y'all sit in the corner. I get to y'all when I'm ready. And literally, he's doing everything else for everyone else, except for the people who got him in the office. Now we talk about that all the time. So you know that's just how yeah. I feel. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Joe Biden is people are starting to see that he's full of shit. And honestly, I wonder, I really wonder what would America really be like right now? If Donald Trump was reelected for a second term, because, you know, especially, and I'm only speaking about the black community because he was like, Hey, we got this platinum plan. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to do this. I understand that Trump, and I don't think he's a racist. I, and, and we keep having to say that because that's just the way the media just pushed this narrative that Trump is racist. Trump is racist. Trump is racist. Nah, he's not racist. Uh, he's a businessman. He understood that, you know, galvanizing a particular base that are racist um, got him such a cult following that he was damn near unstoppable until some very key mistakes happened that yeah. cost him the presidency. Um but I wonder because, you know, the black community goes, there's no real benefit of Joe Biden being the president. You know, we, we put in all this work, all this work from we, we flip states, states that were traditionally red and flipped the blue, um, you know, states and districts that are, you know, have a legacy of being conservative, Republican, switched to Democrat, liberal. All to get Joe Biden in the office. Joe Biden's in the office. He's been in there since January, you know, four yeah. or five months now. And he's made a lot of moves. He's done a lot of things in his last four months. And not one thing has benefited the black community. But more narratives of black people being the violent aggressors and and the, the bottom of the totem pole type of thing. And even our quote-unquote leaders, who really aren't leaders, just they're just coons in their own right uh, they're literally sitting in the corner twiddling their thumbs, waiting for for Uncle Joe to come play with them. 
Yeah. So I wonder. I wonder. See, and it's and it's, and it's one thing that, that you said, you know, in regards to that, because you know, you haven't heard about it. It's funny when I say this, you're gonna be like, wow. Um, you haven't heard about it since all the stuff been going on. However, you have Trump before he before he got out of office, it was a big old campaign, it was a big old thing about police reform, prison reform. Yep. And you know, being being behind the ball in that certain situation at the time, my whole thing was okay, okay, cool. That's what's up. Okay, all right, that's what's up. All right, oh, 85 retrospective all across the board, going down to 65. All right, that's needed. Give people something to look forward to. All right, cool, cool, cool. Now, I ain't heard nothing else about it. Rap. I ain't seen it on TV. I ain't I ain't heard nobody debate about it. I ain't seen I have not seen anything about it. And it's like, okay. Um, they shine things and put it in your face, even with the stimulus mm-hmm. to blindside you, and then shut you up. Let's give you this shut up money. So yep. we're gonna we're gonna throw this money in your face so you be quiet about it. No, no, no. That's that shouldn't be how it is. But we see that that's how y'all making it, and yep. that's not right. I agree. So yeah. He's so because basically- I, so I, I really been waiting on somebody to say something about prison reform, and nobody has said anything not at all not yeah. at all matter of fact when we talked about um tim scott the republican that was like hey america's not a racist country and they you know called him all type of coon and uncle tom and blah 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 you know yeah. the thing that they kind of glossed over was the fact that he was like no i i introduced two police reform bills but and y'all shut it down y'all yeah. shut them down y'all not not us not the ones y'all claim are, are is the racist party, but y'all shut it down. So yeah. y'all want to y'all want to perpetuate and blow up a problem, but you don't want a real solution. That's the part mm-hmm. I heard when I listened to Tim yeah. Scott's speech a couple of weeks yeah. ago. That's the part I focused on. He was like, "No, I tried to do this, but y'all shut me down. Y'all want mm-hmm. y'all want to perpetuate a problem, and that's a democratic tactic because they want to yeah. keep us under the guise and belief of." We're oppressed. They're racist. Racism, 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 white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. They're racist. You're oppressed. They're oppressing you. You're oppressed. They're oppressing you. Uh, this, you know, everywhere you turn is is, is white supremacy is, is killing you. Yeah. And, okay, what are we going to do to stop it? What are we going to do? Nothing? Oh, okay. No policy whatsoever? What? Uh, oh, you won't do it unless it benefits you. Oh, okay, Democrat. But you know, keep us inflamed, keep us emotionally charged. Racism, racism, white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. Oh, we have something called critical race theory. Oh, all right. Oh, we're gonna do this. Uh, we're gonna teach our children that you know, if you're white, then you're an oppressor. Like, so in order to fix racism and discrimination in this country, we're gonna do more racism and discrimination. So, you know, it's gonna be okay to be racist against white people. It's like, uh, one, I don't care. I, one, I don't need to do that. Like, I never felt inferior in the first place i never felt like i was below anyone in the first place so i don't need them to feel inferior to me to haha now you know how it feels uh, that, that's stupid that's really yeah. stupid you know all, all i want to do is give us a space to do us yeah. you give us the opportunity to do what we do with our own hands by ourselves without your involvement in it and we'll do and we'll, we'll take it from there so yeah. and we've done it before all throughout history but somehow or another, you white folks, then y'all, y'all get involved with it and destroy it. So all we want is the, the space and the resources to do what we do 
for ourselves, by ourselves, without your involvement, and we'll be okay. Uh-huh. Like that's Ooh. all we want. I don't, yeah. I, I don't care about you know this racist person, that racist person, or white supremacy, white supremacy. I understand the history, I really do, but that does nothing for me today. I got yeah. kids to live for. You know, I, I have a wife and kids that I gotta build a legacy for. I, I can't go out where, oh no, what? How's white supremacy is gonna get me today? I ain't got time for that. I ain't got yeah. time for that. And honestly, with with the mental gymnastics that we've done on ourselves, and I'm not to say that we still have a lot of trauma we have to heal from ourselves, but most of the fight I have to deal with is coming from fellow black people. If I'm being really honest, if I'm being really, really honest, you know, because they're either still indoctrinated in that democratic mindset, or it's it's just, or it's in a do what you got to do to survive type of mode. So the conflict I'm going to run into is going to be other black people before I run into that racist KKK proud boy uh, oath keeper or whatever quote unquote white nationalist group that you say is out there that I should be afraid of. Ah, like that's not, and that's not to, you know, down us, but it's just the reality because we still can't, we as a whole, we haven't gotten out of that mindset of white supremacy. eh, We don't, we don't care. We don't care, but that's it, man. So we're going to get into some uh, some rigidity, some ratchetness right now, because <laughs> in this last week, I don't know if y'all know, but Kwame Brown in my Stephen A. Smith voice, Kwame Brown, that that boy has been um, he's been giving people the business all week, all week. <clears throat> and. You know, you, you you may be wondering, who who in the hell is Kwame Brown? So Kwame Brown was the number one draft pick. He, if you are familiar with the NBA and sports, or even with just what's been going on in the last week, Kwame Brown was the number one draft pick to the Washington Wizards back in 03. That was back when Jordan was the, the owner or GM or something like that, where Jordan chose Kwame Brown. And he turned out to be, you know, one of the biggest jokes uh, in league history yeah. or being, you know, the, the number one draft pick and, you know, just had such an underwhelming career, um, you know, as a number one pick. But honestly, there are bigger busts, you know, numbers wise than Kwame Brown. We'll get into that later, but th- that's what he's known for. You know, just, um, he just can't play at all. Just horrible. He's a scrub. He's trash. All this type of thing. So that's the narrative with Kwame Brown. So when you think of Kwame Brown, people think, you know, he's like the biggest bust in history. Uh, he's the one that Jordan picked number one. He just had, he was just a horrible player. Um, and basically people consistently drag his name through the mud. Even I had a battle rap bar about him being a bust, you know, in one of my battle rap bars. But I won't play it because I'm going to act like I'm innocent in this exchange. Uh, <laughs> so, but. Kwame Brown has been going off on everybody. He's been chilling for the last 20 years, but damn it, that, that boy is back, and he is honestly, I am here for it because he, in his rants that he's been giving, he's been he's been throwing a lot of gems and a lot of game at people to understand what's really important. So we're going to give some context. There's going to be a few videos that I'm going to play. We're going to talk about him, but we're going to get through the whole story. And um, so in this segment, I like to call 
my mama's son. This is what started the Kwame Brown um, Thanos vengeance campaign. It was, you know, you're 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 going out of the Jordan era, mm-hmm. and you're coming in. Well, it was one of those things where I'm not come. I'm coming into. You know, remember Kwame Brown's there, so he's the franchise. First pick. Yeah, he's a he's a franchise. You know, yeah, um, Matt. Matt was just talking the, uh, the previous show we just had how good uh, Kwame was. Y'all killed a man. No, no, no nothing Matt, about Matt, it. Matt was like that was one of the you know top number one picks they could ever ever round, right? So here you go. I'm just saying what Matt Matt said this shit. Matt, I had so, nothing to say. Matt didn't say shit. Yeah, Matt, said, so, Matt said Kwame was one of the coldest, <laughs> one of the number, best number one picks ever of all time. He could have been. He could have he could have been, and this is why. Imagine being an eighteen year old kid getting drafted number one by your men, your idol. Yeah. And your idol is Michael Jordan. Right. We know Michael Jordan. <laughs> we know Michael Jordan's personality. Right. Imagine that personality slapped him in the face. Going towards a an eighteen year old kid. You know, yeah. just you know, just bullying him, you know. And you gotta remember, he's around his peers. You're not his peer. Right. You know what I mean? You're not his peers. These are his peers. So when you're making him look little to his peers, he loses his confidence. So when I get there, he doesn't have confidence. You know what I mean? So it's trying to build this this man child up. And when I mean man child, you're you're talking about it. Were you on that team? So this started, this is the All the Smoke podcast with former NBA player Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes. So basically what they were doing, just throwing some shade, you know, they're interviewing the uh, player there, Gilbert Arenas, also a former player, uh, uh, AKA Agent Zero, was cold back in his day, but injuries kind of messed up his career. Uh, so he's talking about his time in Washington where he played with Kwame Brown. And, you know, you can, uh, you can see, like, you don't have to know the story to see, oh, they're definitely throwing shots. Definitely throwing shade at Kwame Brown. Um, so, you know, he kind of chilled, but this is another episode on that same podcast here with Jenny Buss. She was like, you know, the part of the family that owns the, the Los Angeles Lakers. So Kwame Brown played for the Lakers for a while and he was a part of the trade where they shipped out Kwame Brown for Pau Gasol when he and uh, Kobe went on to win a couple of championships. But this is what she had to say and this is what basically set Kwame Brown off. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, that was, you know, um, the Steve Nash mm-hmm. was on that Amari. team. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it was, it was a really good team, and and we we almost had it, but mm-hmm. we you know lost in the first round. But he got us back into the playoffs. You know, we had missed that that previous season, and that led to a draft pick that became Andrew Bynum. Mm-hmm. Then Pal came in February of 2008. And, you know, Pau, you know, that was uh, having Pau Gasol, who was, you know, he was rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. So here we go, we went, you know, right before the trade deadline, we get Pau Gasol and then we just went on a tear. Like Pau learned the triangle in two days. Mm, like Super it, smart. Super smart. And it just, it was like. Did you and guys now, thank Jerry? Because wasn't Jerry over in Memphis and gave Jerry you guys Pau? <laughs> <laughs> well, we traded Mark, Mark Gasol, yeah, that's what people, right? People, oh, you got him for nothing, not right. realizing that what you guys gave yeah. him was Mark Gasol. And Kwame Brown. And yeah. so, Mark um, Gasol. and, right. um, 
Marks. Oh, do you played with Mark? No, no, no. no this that was no. a one man trade. You just <laughs> used the name. He was that name was just there. So, so now we get pal. We go on this run. So, as you see, more shade, more, <laughs> you know, you know, because at this point, people do consider the name Kwame Bryant as a joke, right? Yeah. Um, they they remember the infamous rant from Stephen A. Smith when talking about this trade. And actually, I'll, I'll show that. Did L.A. give up too much to get a guy who has been labeled soft, although he puts up 19 and 9, which only 11 other guys do? Is that a trick question? You tell me. They gave up Kwame Brown. Who first cares? rounders. I could, I could care less. I didn't do a salary for first four of years. all. Understand something. When you're giving up first round picks, if you are a quality team in play in playoff contention, it really doesn't mean that much. That's number one. Number two, and more importantly, Kwame Brown is gone. The city of Angels, Hollywood, just should be celebrated. Throw a parade already, whether you win a championship or not. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. No disrespect whatsoever, but I'm sorry to call tell everybody the truth the man cannot play the game of basketball he has small hands he can't catch the ball he's got bad feet he can't really move even though he's mobile doesn't really know what he's doing doesn't have a post move that he he puts to memory that he can do two times in a row he has no game whatsoever plays no defense doesn't have the heart the passion or anything that comes with it and you're asking me whether this, okay. they gave up too much please the los angeles lakers knew exactly what they were doing they should be celebrate right now and kobe Bryant should not be saying a word his contract comes off the books and as you know in the NBA it's all about contracts so Memphis now gets a lot of cap relief no so it's not all about contracts comes off the books yes that is true but it's that's basically that <laughs> that, that what I put Stephen A on the map it I love that guy that famous rant on yeah. Kwame Brown and that that right there honestly just destroyed any type of respect that anyone might have had for Kwame Brown at that time that was 2008 um yeah. so Kwame Brown decides to, you know what? Y'all gonna put some respect on my name. Clap back. He tried. Yeah. He claps back and he claps back with the vengeance. But when <laughs> he claps back the first time, they wasn't expecting him to clap back the way that he did. Yeah. To the point to where the Breakfast Club, so all the Smoke Podcast is under the umbrella of Black Effect Media. That's partly owned by Charlemagne the God of the Breakfast the Club. Yeah. So uh, Charlemagne the God decided to respond and give his take on Kwame Brown. This is what he had to say. Let me, let me let me say something, man. I need a I need a second, man. First of all, y'all know Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson. Those are my partners. You can catch uh, all the Smoke podcasts on the Black Effect iHeartRadio podcast network. I was texting with Matt last night, but let me tell y'all something. Leave Kwame Brown alone. I don't know if y'all know, but you could do a little research. Kwame Brown was born in Charleston, South Carolina. I don't think I've ever met Kwame, but I know a lot of his family. His family lived in Moss Corner, South Carolina. His father's name was Willie Brown. I don't know how many kids Willie Brown had. I don't know how many siblings Kwame Brown got, but I went to school with his sister, and I went to school with one of his, his brothers. Let me tell y'all something. Kwame's father in the 90s, I remember this story. He beat a woman with an axe handle. It was his girlfriend. And the rumor was he buried her alive. He buried her in the area that I grew up in, if I remember correctly. I've been trying to called my dad since yesterday to, to, to confirm the whole story because I literally forgot about this until yesterday, but the, the woman died and he got arrested. Uh, if he's still alive, he's in prison for life because he got caught because he left South Carolina after the murder and came back for his paycheck. Let me tell you something else. His other brother, I don't know if him and Kwame were close, 
But his other brother shot his baby mama several times and then killed himself. That was like in 08. And his other brother, Kwame's other brother, just went to jail for murder like three years ago. All of this you can Google. I'm saying all that to say, leave Kwame alone. That man has been quiet for 20 years. He don't bother nobody. Clearly all that, you know, all, all that he's a bust stuff gets to him. And you don't know what people are going through or have been through. But I've seen folks snap for less. And it looks like, you know, Kwame is snapping. And if you look at the history of men and his family, you would know his, his men and his family have a history of snapping. Leave Kwame Brown well, alone. Matt, Matt. So that's what he had to say. And without further ado, I present to some introduced to others. Mm-hmm. Kwame Got me fucked up. I told y'all, y'all fucking with mama's son now. Yeah, I'm my mama's son. <laughs> you go get this goddamn mama seat. Shit. You go taste my mama cooking. None of them weak ass shit that y'all gonna do to me gonna work. Now, I also said that this was the go along, get along game. See how they keep trying to make this about Kwame. Now, Chris Bashard, Jamel Hill, a woman that's already talked about black men, say we was what? We was the what of the black race? So you thought that little bullshit she put up was about Game of Thrones? No, they putting out a narrative that I'm violent. That's why Charlemagne the Hope Mr. I got away with it. Mr. Delinquency of a minor. Did y'all hear that woman crying? Did y'all hear that woman speaking on Star? Still think I'm lying? Imagine I made history. Regardless of whether you think of how I play, I made history. The number one draft pick was out of high school, black man never mentioned on the breakfast club until he spoke about some sort of go along get along game and i was arguing with two bitch ass niggas and somehow that was enough to get me mentioned on the breakfast club not because of what i did for my mama not because of what i was doing in the community not to be an inspiration to these black children that was in the homeless shelter in a free lunch program like me. See, it ain't about no motherfucking game. Giving these kids inspiration ain't no game. Whether I score one point or a hundred million points a game, it's inspiration to a boy that ate free lunch. I made it on the breakfast club when I said, go along, get along, and look at the way that brother made me look on the breakfast club for the first time. Still think I'm lying? I did not even know how my what my father did to go to prison. I told you, I had a good mama. It wasn't until I was later on in life that I was a teenager, she told me where my daddy was. She never described to me what my daddy did. Why would a mother do that? Mr. I got away with it. Why the fuck would you do that? And then now your bitch ass asking me to go on the breakfast club. Is that like a new thing to be a condescending, disrespectful bitch and then ask somebody to come talk to you? Who the fuck you think I am, bitch ass boy? Y'all could put out the narrative. I'm so hurt. I'm so this. I wasn't saying shit. I got to be the most quietest hurt nigga I ever seen in my life. I'm so wrong, but a black man got on TV and the first time a number one draft pick with all these accomplishments 
the first time they mention my name on a platform that branches out to so many people, the first time you mention Kwame Brown is to attach him to death and murder that even I wasn't aware of. Thank you, Charlemagne. I never even met my brother uh, that my, my dad had outside kids on my mama. I never even met him, sir. So thank you. Thanks for telling me the gory details of how he died too, sir. Appreciate you. But you don't dox black men. Thanks for telling the uh, society that somehow, because I talk back and I joke better than two little bitches that you like, somehow you had to tell people that being a bus made me snap. And somehow now uh, I'm crazy and look out for Mr. Brown because don't bother him because his daddy and brother are murdered. All the while, that light-skinned bitch you like, with the uh, Becky with the blonde hair, or the good hair, all the while, he online inviting me to his dick, acting like this bitch-ass nigga want a box. But I'm the aggressor. Look at the stories they putting out. There's really nothing more to be said, but there is more. Now, to add a little bit of context, because, of course, in this opinion, He's absolutely right. I don't see anything wrong or inaccurate or misleading with what he said or what his response was, you know, given some context. This was about his third response. And in the first two responses, of course, he was going at Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes and telling some truths. And he's entertaining. Like people didn't realize exactly how entertaining and how funny Kwame Brown is. And he kept it funny. But he was also spitting some real shit. If you go look at his channel, he's been doing this for years now. And if you go over the content before he started addressing this drama here with Steven Jackson and Matt Barnes and now Charlemagne the God, he's been saying a lot of good stuff that I am going to go over, you know, in later yeah. podcasts because it's it's echoing a lot of things that we talk about. And, you know, he just now People, uh, this is why I don't understand. Um, you know, his channel was blown up like well over 100,000 uh, subscribers in the last week or so, but it's the drama that brought them. And that's the thing I don't like. Just like we flock so much to drama and messy yeah. stuff, but Kwame Brown is making videos about, you know, educating the black community, about uplifting the black community, inspiring the black community, thinking for ourselves, breaking out of, the, the game that Democrats have put us in and he barely gets any views, but he gets involved with this messy stuff starts, you know, speaking his piece in, in this type of dramatic fashion. And then people flock to it. And I, I, I like this. That's the thing I don't like, but some of the truths he talked about, especially when referring to Charlemagne, the God, Charlemagne, the God did have, um, you know, some, uh, sexual allegations brought up against him that he apparently beat. Um, and so, Kwame Brown was was highlighting that that you had that he got off on doing some foul shit, and uh, to the point where Charlemagne the God sent him a cease and desist letter, and at that point we was like, oh, if what he's saying is true or isn't true, or if he's crazy and all these other things y'all trying to make him out to be, oh, he's just hurt because his basketball career wasn't, didn't live up to expectations. Oh, he's just mad. Oh, now, now this bus talk is making him snap. And he's like, what are you talking about? 
But if he's that crazy person y'all trying to make him out to be, why would you send him a cease and desist letter? Yeah. Ha. Huh. Hmm. Tap, tap, tap. So <laughs> Brown decided to talk about it. Easy now, huh? <laughs> Let's talk about it. First, I was just a little old bus, and now I'm a crazy bus. <laughs> Yes, sir. Bitch, you a driver, motherfucker, crazy. Talking about my mama's son like that, motherfucker. That's all you do. You're proving my point. You're talking about people, mama's son, motherfucker. And Charlemagne the Hope, you gonna get your bitch ass out that office, boy. Y'all wanna talk about I'm crazy, but I got example after example after example of you disrespecting only black people, you punk motherfucker. Look at what you did to me. You had a punk ass nigga that you thought was a thug talk to me like that. Your life is over, your life is dirt, condescending bitch. Oh, I love you, little bro. Everything is you above me, you bitch ass nigga. We only liked your bitch ass cause you ran in the stand and hit white people, you punk. But don't let that shit go to your head, boy. The fuck you talking about? Cause you in all these goddamn groups, you think you a bad motherfucker, nigga. You ain't shit, bitch. Here you talk. You, you, your life is dirt. Your life is over. Your life ain't nothing. What you just proved that them motherfuckers trained you bitch ass niggas to talk like that, boy. You just ain't know you were talking to my mama's son, you bitch ass nigga. So now you're gonna get my mama seasoning, bitch. You wanna talk about something but that you say my daddy did, bitch ass nigga. Let's talk about something you did, rapist ass motherfucker. The hell you talking about, nigga? You fuck with my mama's son, nigga. I told you, nigga. That shit over with. And you been fucking with a lot of mama's sons, nigga. Some ugly-ass old motherfuckers that been put in place that can't play basketball they goddamn self is judging these men the way y'all judging them. And then you bitches say, I'm crazy? You got me fucked up, boy. You fucking with my mama's son now, boy. I done told you. That's the same thing they do to y'all kids. When y'all kids come from the inner city, when y'all kids come from the hood, that's the same game they run on them. Oh, he, oh, he from this area, he crazy. He from this area, he crazy. Bitch, I ain't got nothing to do with where I grew up at, motherfucker. But look at what I did when I got the ball, bitches. What? Now this is just, these are just little snippets. I'm not really doing it justice because, you know, he, he's been, he's been on a neck. I'm talking about yeah. uh, you. You look up his channel. He's making maybe like one or two videos a day going at their neck, and it's just so much stuff that he talks about. But they was not prepared for the smoke that Kwame Brown brought them. They thought, yeah. you know, because like he said, I've been quiet for twenty years, but now, now you're dealing with my mama's son, and you're gonna get my mama seasoning. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? but. Well, 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 I'm, I, I'm, I'm a mama's sons too, you know. I'm a mama's uh -huh. son now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I agree. I, and it's, it's one thing he said in the last segment, and even in, and even in this segment, that, that you know, it kind of hits me in a in a personal way because he said I was the most silent hurt person you ever known. Mm -hmm. And um, people say it all the time: hurt people, hurt people. But yep. in that sense of, I'm trying to maintain. Um, and I can I, I can relate to that because it's certain things that we go through that we tell people we don't really tell, you know, as far as our hurt and our pain and things that we're going through, the known and unknown. And then people hear things and um, yep. and you go through things and they hear things. And my problem has always been. Why would you listen or believe what you heard before asking me? 
I think that was one of our first conversations that we had when I came home. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, it didn't bother me that people hear things, but why would you believe it before you ask me? Why right. would you, why do we believe, why do we as black people, as community, as people in general, if you say, I love you, believe what you heard here before you ask that person that you tell I love you to. And um, me, and, me and Big E had a conversation yesterday and, you know, he was on this rant. He was like, you know what? I knew I shouldn't have effing talked to that girl <laughs> because all she did was make me look like the villain. And I said, nah, I said, you all right. The only thing I said was, why you didn't ask me? Right. And I said, that's you know, the same yeah. narrative, though, is, is the fact that a narrative is being pushed and a narrative yeah. is pushed so strongly that it's, it's so convincing to where yeah. you just kind of buy into it, especially and, and especially when you're dealing with drama and messy things. Um, yeah. It's not so much of silence is taking the high road. People take silence as, oh, it must be true. It must be true. Yeah. And, and that's the common mistake. Uh, and on a much, 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 much smaller scale, you know, I've gone through that too. Still go through it to an extent, especially at my job, to where a narrative is being pushed about you, and because you don't address it, then, oh, it must be true. But mm-hmm. it's a lose-lose situation because if a narrative is being pushed about you and you decide to stand up for yourself and respond to it... Oh, and, you must be guilty. And then you look like, oh, you must be guilty. Uh, and then, oh, so it must... So it, it's a lose-lose. If you don't respond to it, it must be true. If you do respond to it, oh, what, why are you so emotional? Why, why are you this? Why are you that? Yeah. Oh, I guess it must be true then. So it is a lose-lose. And that's what I can relate to the fact that, you know, Kwame was like, yo, I've been living my life. You know, there's other yeah. clips. Like I said, I really didn't do it just and I couldn't, you know, if I would have tried to put all the context in there, we'll still be listening to Kwame right now, cussing people out. But he's basically saying, yo, no, I'm, I'm living my life. My life is good. I got my yeah. own thing. You know, I got my own thing going on. My family's taken care of. Like, and the thing that I, I tried to find, but I couldn't find, he was like, you know, my mama's taken care of. She don't got to work again. My family's taken care of. They can pursue their own dreams now. And most importantly, I broke a generational curse. That's what came out yeah. of his mouth. I yeah. broke a generational curse. And y'all were here talking about a basketball game. Now, you know, granted, you know, as a basketball player, was he underwhelming? Yes. But what people don't realize is Kwame Brown played for 12 years. He was in the league for 12 years. Now, his his... Uh, career stats, 6.6 rebounds. That's not really trash numbers. Those are role player numbers. Yeah. And for a number one pick, yeah, that's that's very disappointing for a number one pick. But considering the career path that he had, who he had to deal with, and the narrative that was being pushed around him, yeah, I think he was given a, a bad hand. I, I think if he would have went to anyone else but Jordan, I think he would have had a better career, a much better career. But, you know, people see Jordan as, you know, the GOAT on the court. But off the court, Jordan is an asshole. <laughs> like, you know, y'all seen the last days. Like, Jordan's an asshole. And he was an asshole, uh, especially to Kwame Brown. Um, but this is this is why I applaud Kwame Brown. Because it, it's basically like, you know, you're not going to run a narrative on me anymore. My life is good. 
I'm doing good right now. I know I don't miss the NBA. Your bus talk doesn't even affect me. One particular clip, he's like, yeah, I've never argued that I wasn't a bust. Yeah, I am a bust. You know, my, my career has been disappointing. I haven't, I didn't live up the expectation. I'm not arguing with y'all on that. But what you're not going to do is keep playing with my name as if my life and the things that I've been able to accomplish with the opportunities I have, I've had 12 years in the NBA. There's people, people don't even remember. Anthony, is it Anthony Edwards? Um, he was the number one pick of the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he played maybe, uh, not Anthony Edwards, um, uh, Anthony Bennett, excuse me, Anthony Bennett. He was the number one uh, pick to the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers. He didn't play 12 years. I think he played maybe five. Yeah. Like, maybe five years. Number one pick to the Cavs. But but this, even still, that's not to say that, yeah, his playing career may have been bad, but I'm pretty sure that Anthony Bennett is living good right now. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm positive he's living good right now. Just because the opportunity that he had, he had five years in the NBA. I think he's doing pretty good, you know. And is and sometimes it's bigger than the game, and that's what people don't understand. They only see you as what they know you for, and that's what Kwame Brown just broke. Like he shattered it, and now people are absolutely loving Kwame Brown because he's like, no, this is who I really am. He's funny, he's smart, entertaining, and it's like. Yeah, th- this is who I really am. And I-, yeah. I applaud him for that. Like, kudos to him. So we- we're going to get one last segment, and then we're going to get up out of here. This was a, uh, this is dealing with parenting and relationship type things um, that we have this disconnect when it comes to, honestly, the modern generation. So check this out. This this was a, a scenario that I saw in, in a tweet. Uh, basically, it says, my daughter made a new friend at the playground. I asked the dad if we could plan a play date. He's like, okay, I'll give your number to my wife and you can ask her. I don't know why that was weird to me. Aren't you her parent too? Men who have to ask their wives first really bug me. Hmm. That's the, that's basically the, the issue there. So the, the, the topic is, you know, should this bug someone or is the man wrong for telling this woman, um, hey, sure, we can get this thing done, but you know, let me run okay. over to my wife and, and let her know what's going on, right. and y'all can communicate. Yeah, so that was a woman asking the man that, right? Yes. Yes. All right, so yes, he's 100% correct. It's not about that, because when you actually make a statement like that, men who have to ask their wives first, book me, that means you have a mixed agenda. That's the whole segment, whole thing we talked about in the last segment about what Steve Harper was talking about. Should men and women have friends? No, you need to be friends with my wife. Uh, uh-huh. We met, we met at a playground, so it ain't about me asking my wife. This is my wife's daughter as well. So me, for me to set up a play date with you, where's your husband? And let me talk to your husband. Right. I set the play date up with your husband, and then mm-hmm. that'd be different. But we're not going to exchange numbers, and then you feel some type of way about me giving it to my wife. No, I'm borderline like that. If I were to have a a, a home girl, a friend girl, uh-huh. you know what I mean, and and you meet my kid, hey, let me talk to her mama because I have to do that now. I have to ask my ex wife about my um my baby girl, my my princess Chandler. I have to say, hey, Shakai, Shamika, are y'all cool with this? They say yeah. 
You know, Shakaya always say, ask Shamika what Shamika think about Chandler being at the games. Um, yeah. Hey, is she okay if, if Chandler were to come? You know, and Shamika say she's fine with it, you know, and there's some things that Shamika is not comfortable with, and I respect that. But that right there, um, no. <laughs> I would have done, I probably would have done the same thing because yep. when you think about how it would look, you setting up a play date with another woman. Uh huh. And we don't know if she's married. Mm-hmm. So I hey, I set up a play date. I don't mind if our daughters play together, but you can you can set that up with my wife. So I'm not asking my wife. You asking my wife. Yeah, but even still, <laughs> it's not even so much of asking because the the narrative I can see that that this woman is yeah. trying to take is oh, you can't make decisions for yourself on yourself. Oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. do do your wife wear the pants in the relationship? Yeah. Oh, are you controlled yeah. by the wife? Oh, you you know, aren't you a man? That type of thing. Yeah. yeah and yeah. the only thing that clearly she doesn't understand is she doesn't have a respect for a marital status. Of course, he's that a parent. Is. He's also married. So there is a joint decision to be made. You know? Yeah. So it, it's it's a boundary of respect that clearly she does that she doesn't respect. She doesn't respect it. Because that's also the same line of, you know, well, your spouse doesn't have to know. Or why does she have to know? Why does he have to know? That type of thing. That that, that can clearly fall into the same lane. It's just a matter of respect. Yeah, you want to play with my child. Well, this child has two parents. And, and two parents that are actively in this child's life. So, you know. I'm not the only person you need to deal with. Even if your intentions are completely genuine, where it's just yeah. literally to set up a play date for these two children who have become friends, you need to understand where this child is coming from and how this child is being raised and being handled. I'm not the only one that makes decisions for this child, period. So I will, out of respect for my <laughs> wife in this situation and to make sure that Things don't even look weird. The things don't even look yeah. like something's going yeah. on. Let me give you uh, my number, uh, the the number to my wife as well, and then you know y'all can talk, y'all can set these things up so it don't look like a play date. You know, so yeah. you know yeah. it's it just oh our kids are playing together, but we're actually spending time together. Yeah, nah. yeah. Nah. And, you see, and that's just it. So, like, even when you think about it, like I just said, um, break it down. He's, she said, he's like, I give your number to my wife, and you can uh-huh. ask her. So basically, you're not asking me. I as the as the daddy, you're not asking me. I don't know why this is weird to me. Aren't you a parent too? Men who have to ask their wives first. No, you're not even asking me. I hear you, and that's fine. So I'm gonna let you ask my wife. Uh huh. So, <laughs> so I mean, that's that's how I look at it. When I'm looking at it, put myself in those shoes. I'm like, ah, right, now you ain't even asking me. You're a woman. I feel you. Yeah, I'm cool with it. But you asking my wife. You ain't asking me. I'm not asking my wife for permission. You asking her for permission. Yep. So, so, so y'all, y'all go have that conversation. <laughs> you, you ask her because at the same time, it's like you don't understand the variables. I may not, I'm like, I may not be the only one that brings my child out here all the time. My wife brings her out, my my child out here as well. So, you know, you want to plan it on a Tuesday. Well, I work on Tuesday. So, but my wife is free. Like, it just. It shouldn't bug yeah. you. Honestly, it should, yeah. I don't understand yeah. why it bugs you. If you don't have a mixed agenda. If you don't have a mixed agenda or evil intent. Yeah. So, like, you should understand, oh, 
he's married, so there, there is a boundary. There is uh, a matter of respect for the spouse. And if if that doesn't bug you, then yeah, sure. You know, set it up, play date. Yeah. And you don't know y'all could like it's like you don't know what could happen, but because you 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 automatically think that this man's you know emasculated has been castrated and oh he can't make decisions for himself and you know and th that's the thing that you know a lot of women like to go for anyway you know they they always looking to tear down a man and question his masculinity for you know regardless of what the reason is you know it's always yeah. in question oh you can't make decisions for yourself or you don't wear the pants da 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 da, da. so I, I I hear the shade. I hear it. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, nah, you just you just off. You're off on this one. And mm. you know, it, it that just is what it is. But I thought that was very interesting. Um, because it was a whole um a whole debate about it. And uh I, I looked at some of the reasons of why people quote unquote had a problem with it, but it's more of that modern stuff where honestly women feel like they compete with men now. It's not so much of being equal. It's, you know, women that's like the part of that feminist sector that basically wants to compete and replace men, not not be equal as not have the same rights, same pay, this, that and the third. But no, they want to get rid of men like the Black Lives Matter organization. They want to get rid of men. Um, but they don't they don't tell you all about that. But that's it, man. That's all I got. We wanted this one to be somewhat short, but this is normally our, our time a little over an hour. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, yeah, but yeah. Well, so we thank you guys for checking us out. We're actually going to be back pretty soon. Uh, in a couple of days, we're going to hit you guys with episode thirty-one. Uh, Craig Mac and Big E Shabazz, the Magic Man. We finally found him. We we dug him out of the hole that he was hiding in, and uh, he's going to make <laughs> an appearance. And uh, he's going to be. Um, he said he got some smoke for the pod, so we Ooh. we. We with all the smoke, no pun intended, to that other podcast with those two dudes. Uh, they got flamed by a bust, Kwame Brown. But uh, so we said, yo, we want all the smoke. He said, hey, let's do this Wednesday, the 26th. I said, hey, we're going to do this Wednesday, the 26th. So bring your guns. And, uh, you know, I, I got I got my um my stuff kind of set up. I'm 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 ready. I'm ready for a big, you know, I got my applause set. You know, I got all that done. You know, I got the, if you if you do something crazy, nah, you lose. If something's dope, we're going to give you props. But if it's not, we got This is doo-doo, baby. We, we got it. We got it. Doo -doo. You know, you know if, if you make a good point, but then someone comes back with an even better point, we're going to hit you with the combo breaker. So, you know, we, we got it. We got <laughs> <laughs> I'm having too much fun with this, with this, uh, Rodecaster Pro, which I know a lot of people have, but it, it's a really good piece of equipment. Um, but that's it, man. We, we ain't gonna hold you being silly. Uh, we're gonna see you guys in a couple of days, literally. And uh, on behalf of myself, I'm Dante Credo. On behalf of my brother from another Minister P. Shaw, we thank y'all. Thank y'all for your time. Thank you for y'all support. Y'all keep going to that YouTube channel. We've grown maybe like, like nine or ten subscribers. In the last couple of days, thank you guys so much for the for your subscriptions. Please keep spreading the word um, and come join the conversation because, you know, we all of us or with all the smoke, whatever y'all say, you're going to find either me or one of my other brothers on that thread and we're going to talk to y'all. So whatever y'all got to say, we're going to respond. We're going to if you want to clap at we, us. We, we are. We are our mama's sons. Yeah, we are our mama's sons. 
And if you want to test us, you can get our mama seasoning too. You're gonna, you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna get our mama seasoning. You know what I'm saying? We are our mama's sons. <laughs> All right, y'all. So till a couple of days to next time. It's been another episode of the Talk My Credo Podcast. Y'all stay safe. In the words of peace, y'all stay fly, stay blessed. Stay blessed. Peace.